The first reading is from Psalm chapter 85, verses 1 to 3 and 8 to 13. But Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob, forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground, and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. The word of the Lord. Let's now stand together as Jody reads our gospel reading. The Lord be with you. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. The Gospel of Christ. Father, speak peace to your people, gathered virtually, wherever we are, however we are. Speak peace to our land and to our nation, and speak peace to all the world. We pray your Holy Spirit to weave heaven and earth together. And for your son's reign of eternal peace. We ask all of this in his name. Amen. You may be seated. So this second Sunday of Advent, we will be reflecting on the virtue of peace. You may have already heard that the Hebrew idea of peace goes beyond our modern definitions. It's much more than just a state of calm or tranquility. It's much more than just the absence of conflict. Peace in the Bible is such an all-encompassing idea that Semitic and Arabic cultures have greeted one another by saying, Peace be with you. Salam alaikum. Shalom. Elchem. What is meant by the greeting is to wish someone to be whole. To be totally complete, it bids someone to have and to enjoy the sum total of all that is good. 
Now our first reading from Psalm 85, which uh, Coralie had read for us, it's a short song, it's a short prayer that asks God for peace, for shalom, not only for Israel, but for the entire world. And the psalm was written, was composed by the descendants of Korah. Now Korah was a cousin of Moses, Moses being the first leader of Israel, Korah had, during the time of the Exodus, had led a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. And because of that rebellion, Korah, and along with a few others, they were marked to be punished. And the earth supernaturally opened up from underneath them, and they were all swallowed up alive. But despite the scandal of that past, the descendants of Korah, they flourished, and they retained their association with their ancestor. They were consistently referred to as the sons of Korah, even as they held important roles in the worship life of Israel. They composed music, they penned a few of the official prayers of the Jewish people. Now it's perhaps because of this past that they, the descendants of Korah, wrote mostly about penitence and humility before God. Particularly the last quarter of Psalm 85, it it focused on the restoration of the earth, which had long ago opened up against their ancestor as an instrument of destruction. Now in this psalm, a short psalm, the descendants of Korah invite us. They invite us to look to God for peace, for shalom in all the earth. As we've heard from Tim last week, we are called to hope In Jesus Christ alone. And with Jesus came peace on earth, shalom to the world. That same angelic greeting that the shepherds heard that very first Christmas day. We, the the world, anything in this world, in this earth cannot and could never give this same kind of peace. Only Jesus gives this peace, this wholeness, this completion. Only Jesus gives us this shalom. Now, what does this peace look like? What does shalom look like? Now, I invite us to turn to our Bibles to Psalm 85. Now, the psalm starts by remembering how God had brought Israel back to their homeland from Babylonian exile, and they regained some measure of stability within their borders. But the psalmist does not just linger on the politics of the restoration or the economics of the restoration. In verses 2 to 3, Israel's restoration was as much a moral and spiritual kind as it was political and economic. See, the physical land, the promised land, and the moral, spiritual state of the people, they're all intertwined. The land and the spiritual condition of the people. Israel experienced God's forgiveness. They experienced God's atoning for their sin. They experienced the appeasing of God's indignation against their evil as a nation. And that, all of that was experienced physically in their returning home from exile back into Israel. So then in verses 4 to 7, that's the only segment in the psalm that reads as a prayer, as a supplication to God. The psalmist asks for God to complete, to finish what he started. So it's like the psalmist is praying, okay, we're, we're back home and we're ready to start over. But we need your help, God. We're back home, but the place is in shambles. It's in ruins. It's been kept in disrepair. Even our own lives are still in disrepair. And we need your help. 
We're back again at 1%. We want to get to 100. And we're kind of in the same place as the psalmist. You know, we're ready and raring to go back to the way things were. We want to do over and we feel the reset button has been pressed for far too long. We're not going to emerge into a world that we had known it from before and we're not the same ourselves. But we see a light at the end. There's a chance for a vaccine to roll out and it looks like we'll be coming out, but we're all bruised up. We're scraped up along the way. There's still more tunnel to go through. We're tired of being tired and we want to get back to 100%. We want shalom back in our lives. And so we pray the same prayer the psalmist did in verse 4. Restore us again, O God of our salvation. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. That's a prayer. We pray for the end of COVID. We pray for our world to be restored, for us to be restored back to each other, to be back in this space, to sing and worship Christ, to have meals together, to have our businesses reopened. We pray to God for this. But then, would we have shalom? Would we have shalom? Have we gotten far enough with these prayers as much as they need to be prayed? As the psalmist prayed, they did not just pray for physical restoration. The psalmist did not just stop there in verse 8. Mid-prayer, the psalmist does some mid-prayer theological reflecting. In verse 8, we read, Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Notice the psalmist did not say, let me wait, let me wait for the salvation of God. Or let me see, let me touch the restoration of our God. Instead, the psalmist prays, let me hear. Let me hear from God. Let me catch a word from God. But not only for themselves, but for the whole community of Israel. That's what he's praying for. And the psalmist is assured that they're confident that God will speak, will speak peace to his people, will speak shalom to his children. Now, what does that even mean? That God speaks peace to us. That God would ever say a word of peace and shalom, that we would hear him say shalom to us. These two verses in verses 8 to 9, they paint a vignette. It's a special kind of vignette of an historic moment in the life of Israel. Because the psalmist refers to God in that verse 8 in his official covenant name, literally saying, let me hear what God Yahweh will speak. It brings to mind that moment around the burning bush when God first introduced himself to his people. That very first meetup, the start of a peculiar romance, as it were, between God and humanity. That moment was when the voice of God was heard again by a person. After four centuries of silence in the middle of Israel's subjugation in Egypt, when God showed up to a people yet in exile, It was then that God first opened himself up personally to others, shared his personal info to others, disclosed something special and private about himself. He shared his own name to a human being. 
It was then that God spoke a word of comfort, a word of peace, of good news to a people under the yoke of oppression, shackled in iron, without rest, without hope, without peace. This is to say that even as the psalmist was desperate for the physical restoration of Israel, they were so much more longing for God's personal, special covenant presence as in the days of Moses. His presence as known and felt through his voice, as heard by his voice, to hear from him again as though from the prophets, to catch a rumor from heaven, a word of comfort, of peace, of good news, to hear his word, to feel his word close to us. The psalmist misses the covenant presence of God. The psalmist misses the covenant presence of God as in the days of Moses. Now, it's not unlike the feeling between parent and child on that first day of kindergarten when your child leaves for the first time or that first day of college when you have to drive your kid to the university. The feeling between family or lovers when one leaves for the airport, the feeling for a dear one far away, out of reach, no longer in this life, without their voice, without a picture, without a scent, without their embrace, without any memento of their presence. Now, there was another historic moment during the Exodus when Moses interceded for Israel. Just when they were about to enter the promised land, but they had just spurned and insulted God. And so God's anger burned against them, and God said that he will bring them into the land, but his presence will not go with them because of their rebellion, because of their distrust of him. And as it were, God was fed up. But this is what Moses said to God. If I've found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you. Consider too that this nation is your people. If your presence will not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us? Is it not in your going with us? Above anything else, peace, shalom, is knowing that God is present, that God is with you, God with us, Emmanuel, that he's near, close enough to hear his voice, to hear, to listen to his breath, to hear a word from him. Peace, shalom, is the fullness of God's presence and his word in our lives. But lest we think that peace in these terms is just mere sentiment or warm feelings of being loved and comforted, there is a moral quality to peace, a social obligation as the price of peace. Listen again to verse 8 from the psalm. Let me hear what God Yahweh will speak for he will speak peace to his people. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. The peace that's, that's in God's presence is not just a feeling cozy and warm and safe and secure and nostalgic. To hear God's voice is to know his word, and to know his word is to hear God instruct us, turn away from evil, turn away from folly, walk away from foolishness, Turn away, run away from evil. Salvation is near to those who would revere God to fear him, to fear his word. 
And that's a very reasonable expectation because it's the same expectation we have even for ourselves in our relationships. It's the same obligation and expectation we hold for people who are married, who have kids, who are parents, who have families who are in authority, who run businesses. We are immediately obligated to a set of moral and social expectations whenever we are in any kind of relationship, and more so when we are in a relationship with God. Peace, shalom, is our turning away from folly, turning away from purely human intuition or wisdom or instinct or passion. Because when God should speak his shalom to humanity, shalom to us, we hear his word and his word commands us. His word commands us, flee from evil, turn to good. Peace is an escape from moral corruption, our flight from exile is freedom from slavery and an embracing of God's goodness. Peace is the return and homecoming back to the soil and land of our home country pressing into and filling the interior of God's kingdom. Okay, so far we've looked at peace in these terms of God's presence in our lives, close and near to us, and also in terms of our moral and social obligation to his word. But what does peace or shalom on earth look like? What does peace on earth look like? Now in the last quarter of Psalm 85, verses 10 to 13, Peace, as the psalmist would put it, it looks like a reunion. It looks like a reunion. A reunion of ancient long-time companions that have been rarely seen together in the earth. These ancient companions are steadfast love, faithfulness, righteousness, and peace. In verse 10, the psalmist imagines pictures of future when these virtues anthropomorphized as old good buddies finally see each other again after a long time. They run to each other, they greet each other, they kiss and exchange hugs, and the setting around them is, is paradise. In verse 11, the psalmist frames the reunion at the time of original creation, as it were in the Garden of Eden. See, the psalmist sees faithfulness as bubbling up or springing up from the ground like a springtime overflow. And then looks up to see righteousness beaming down like sunlight. And so with righteousness from above, like sunlight and faithfulness bubbling up from below, the world is sandwiched, is engulfed with divine humidity. And every green and colorful thing sprouts out. Then in verse 12, the world becomes like the Amazon. And then the psalm ends with God's righteousness leading the way further and deeper into this new world carving out frontier territory, always expanding and never losing ground, ever growing inwardly and out. This is the reunion of all things lost, with everyone at home, with a table set for a non-stop party. Now, the psalmist was not suggesting at all that these virtues of love, faithfulness, Righteousness and peace as separate entities in them of themselves, like and God is being the chief of them. No, the psalmist was being poetic here, obviously. But these virtues, at least the four of them, these are personal attributes of God. And the psalmist imagines the future earth enmeshed and entangled in the threads and yarns of heaven, each strand and fiber 
as being the perfect being of God's virtue and perfections. American theologian Cornelius Plantinga put it this way. Peace, or shalom, is the webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in equity, fulfillment, and joy, and delight. And so the more interwoven every thread in and through and around and over and under each other, the stronger the weave, the clearer the pattern, the sharper the lines, and the more beautiful the art and the tapestry that we can see and enjoy. This is peace. This is shalom on earth. Now, how on earth is that possible for our world? One could only imagine. How could every fiber and strand of creation be weaved together, be brought and reconciled, be reunited to each other? I mean, this can only be the work of God, if you would believe that. This can only be the work from God. It could not come from us. It could not come from politics. It could not come from government as much as we should strive for it. This can only be the work from God. In our reading from John's Gospel, as Jody had read for us, we hear again, we hear again God's voice speaking peace to his people. We hear the word of God, Jesus Christ, speaking God's word of peace to us. In verse 25, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Shalom I leave with you. My shalom I give to you. Now at that point, the closest God had ever been with people is through Jesus. But this time, as, as though God couldn't get any closer to us, Jesus, in the voice and word of God, spoke his word, his shalom, into the hearts of his people, in the form and substance of his spirit. Now, how could every fiber and strand of creation be ever weaved together? God first weaved himself. God first weaved himself. Weaved the fullness of his own spirit into the hearts and souls and body parts of the people that he is rescuing, that he is embracing, that he's transforming. The presence of God, the instructions and commands of God, the shalom of God are threaded into and around and over and under our lives. The members of our bodies, our faculties, our passions, our appetites by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the shalom that Jesus left with us, for us, in us. If we are to long and see peace on earth, we must first hear, listen, and obey the word of God's Spirit, His instructions, His teachings, His reminding and prodding us to justice and mercy, to the laws and commands of Jesus. This helper will teach you all things and bring you to remember all that I've commanded you to do. Hear God speak peace to us in the Holy Spirit. As we've heard from Natalie earlier on from the book of Isaiah, this Prince of Peace, this ruler of Shalom, Jesus, is the one who stands beside you, near you, close to you, however you are in this moment and whatever you're going through right now. And he says to you, Peace. Be with you. 
Shalom alechem. My peace abide with you. My spirit, I leave with you. I leave inside you as a gift. We hear his voice. Let's listen to his word. He is yet speaking peace. He is yet speaking shalom into all of our hearts. Amen. You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services.